We're going to touch on wives submit to your husbands this morning. We've got more husbands here than wives, which is uh, probably a good thing. (laughs) We will see. We'll see. All right. Uh, Let us pray. Heavenly Father, what a privilege once again, um, not just to open your word, but even to have a word from you. Um, just think of your condescending to us, your your descent. Um, uh, just really amazing that you would even um, let us know about you, and yet you have uh, called us into uh, yourself, put us in Christ by faith, and uh, we pray, God, now that um, that these words would be uh, helpful and healing. And we ask uh, this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, and the only one through whom we may please you. Amen. All right. Well, uh, this is uh, the uh, fourth and final um, in uh, a series about Colossians. And, uh, and we have been uh, going through... Um, and just this a little picture of Paul writing the Colossians. I don't know how they know that's what Paul looked like when he was writing the Colossians, but um, but that's what what he was. Uh, that's the title of that picture anyway. Um, and so just to recap, sort of where we have been, um, the uh, Paul is addressing false teaching. Uh, it is he doesn't spell out exactly what um, what the false teaching is. He doesn't address it doctrinally. He really addresses it more practically. So we have to kind of piece together the evidence that we have in the text. And it really seems that what the, um, the teachers probably from inside the church, uh, but br- were bringing things in from their former lives. Remember, Christianity was new for everyone. They were all first generation. And so... Uh, and, and they may have been Christians for several years at this point, but, but like you and I um, do and, and certainly can understand, they were bringing things in from uh, what they had known before. Uh, well, sure, we're saved by grace, but surely that doesn't mean we don't have to, and then you can fill in the blank, uh, whether it's be circumcised uh, or uh, be part of the people of the covenant or make sacrifices or uh, whatever it is from their, from their own uh, religious past, and we're all religious, and may formal or informal, institutional or not, uh, they were adding to the gospel, and we do the same thing. So Colossians is really, really a good um, book. We we may say that we are saved by grace alone, through Christ alone, and faith alone, but if you look at your life and the places that provide anxiety for you, uh, the places in your life that produce fear. Um, for instance, I'm terribly afraid of what uh, of people thinking bad of me. So I am going to please them, say what they want, change my stripes, whatever it is um, that I'm afraid of. That that is adding to the gospel because the gospel is that we are complete and full uh, in Christ, and um, and His opinion over us is that we are righteous because of His righteousness. Um, his property is always to have mercy. So. Uh, so that's just that's just one example. So that's what the way that we do uh, add to the gospel, and we do it reflexively, and that is why uh, we say many many times all of life is repentance. It's it's just coming back to the Lord and just saying 
I need you, I need you, I need you. And somehow, somehow, in that coming back to the Lord and receiving His mercy again and again, that over the long term shapes us. So you can look back maybe over the last 20 years and say, you know, I really have... My life doesn't look the way it used to look. I mean, I have other things. It's that whack-a-mole, right? You know, but I've got other, but but I I, I'm th- I can give thanks to God for what He has done in my life over the long haul. But it's only because I have continually received uh, His mercy. So, um, so that's He's addressing false teaching, and it seems that people are adding to the gospel. And to, so to do that, He's really talking about. Uh, he spends a lot of time at the beginning talking about the greatness or the preeminence of Jesus Christ uh, over and against those things that we might add to him. If he is less significant, then we might think that we need to add to him. But if he is preeminent above all things, the Alpha and the Omega, the one by, uh, by whom all things were created and through whom and for whom all things were created, then there is nothing that needs to be added uh, to him. So he's, he lifts up uh, the, the preeminence of Christ and for us as believers, the fullness of Christ, uh, the fullness of um, the gospel, that, that it really is finished, that it really is finished uh, for us on the cross. And we really do have uh, everlasting life, not according to what we have done, but, um, but according to what has been done for us. And that does have real implications for how we might live our lives. But the way that we live our lives doesn't have implications for the truth of the gospel. If you see, see kind of how that works. The gospel, the fullness of the gospel. Uh, and, so he is, and so he begins to give a little exhortation and then he goes right back to the gospel. And he begins to give a little instruction and he goes back to the gospel. Um, but then he does really spend chapter 3 and the first part of chapter 4 uh, about how life is lived in the gospel. And we talked about last week how uh, the end of chapter 2 says, you, know, you have been raised with Christ. Don't any longer submit to regulations like do not handle, do not touch, do not taste. And then he gives all this exhortation, uh, which sounds, it's not exactly don't handle, don't touch, don't taste, but it sounds a lot uh, like that. Things like um, put to death what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion. Uh, in these things uh, you once walked, but now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice. Uh, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness. So, um, exhortation. And we talked about how it, what, it, what is critically important is the order that we get those things in. We don't do these things so that we may have God's favor. Because, but because we have been given God's favor in Christ, we are free to do these things, to act according to the ways that please uh, him. And so we're going to continue that uh, today. We're, um, the, the second half, really 7 through 18 in, in chapter 4, really talk about, um, it's more like tell Tychius that I said hello and tell Demas and Luke tell you hello. And, and, and so, I mean, it's just, it's, um, they're really just personal greetings. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time, I'm not unfruitful to go through those things. It is scripture after all, but we're going to really spend our time in 318 through uh, 4, 6. And if we don't get into chapter 4, that's okay. That's okay. So, but I will, um, 
We will read that. We're going to go through and read that. Most of my slides are on the front end of this anyway, um, mostly because I was preaching also. So, um, but uh, but we can. I've looked at it. We can we can talk it through. Okay. So, let's read. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children. Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Slaves or bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart. Fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your slaves or your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Okay. So, how we live the gospel. Uh, How we live the gospel. Remember in chapter 2, he said, uh, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, so we've gotten the order right, you've received Him, you've understood the gospel, as you received Christ Jesus, so walk uh, in Him. And so, um, we see in, these, in this passage that I just read, uh, verse 18 of chapter 3 through verse 6 of chapter 4, uh, we see the gospel lived out first in Christian families. Wives, husbands, children, uh, parents. And then we see the gospel lived out in our vocations. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the word slavery. What, what, what's in, in that version of the ESV? Does it say slaves or does it say bondservants? Yours says, yeah, so, so mine is an early, it's one of the first printings of the ESV, and it says slaves, but on their website, which is what I got this from, it says bondservants, so I guess they got some flack, or, or maybe thought it was confusing, and actually bondservants is, for our thought, probably be, a better word um, than slaves, even though that's, that's what they were, but we'll talk about that a little bit. And then after that, we just see the gospel lived out uh, in the world around us, um, as as really as missionaries and as an eye to those who uh, do not yet believe. Um, so the the gospel uh, lived out. Uh, you know we're we're often hesitant at this church to talk about what we are to do, um, and the reason for that is because what we do is we we take uh, what we are to do as a result of the gospel, and we automatically in our hearts and minds switch the order 
around. And so we make it a law unto ourselves. And um, if I describe to you what a good Christian does, then you will go out and try to do it. And if you don't, then you'll be discouraged. And, um, and if you do, you'll be a Pharisee, right? So um, failures and Pharisees, that's what the law creates. Um, but it's, um, and so actually honest failures and pharisaical failures perhaps is a better way to say it. But, um, and so, but, but Paul never gets the order wrong. So he doesn't shy away from describing the Christian life. Um, and, and because he never gets the order wrong, we can take it as description rather than as prescription. If you do this, then you will be saved or accepted by God uh, would be prescription. He describes what the gospel looks like in the Christian life. And it's always something to uh, uh, strive for and attain to, but not in, not in the sense that we that it earns us extra favor uh, with God. It's just, I mean, it is a discipline. We'll see that in the second section if we get there. Uh, it's a discipline to maintain that heart attitude uh, because we start looking at ourselves. Um, I mean, I don't mind telling you, you know, somebody said... Um, Right after the sermon, you know, there's that great there's that great story about I think it was Spurgeon, but every time the story gets told, it's a it's a different preacher. But they say that you know somebody came out and said you know great sermon and said yeah the devil already told me and I, and somebody said this morning you know uh, great sermon and I just thought you know that really was you know and I and like I just and I, you know I, and I was just like oh god you know like how how can I I mean it's just it is such a discipline to to. If it was, all I can do is thank God. You know, all I can do is thank God because I can promise you it is hot off the press. So um, it, is, uh, it, is, it is just such a discipline in our hearts to remember that if we have any good thing coming out from us, uh, is, it is to, um, is to give thanks and praise to the Lord. And then when we say that, to mean it, right? Like, we, yes, oh yes, praise God. Awesome job. And so... Um, um, the uh, the most the, if the most important reality of our life is our salvation, and that is the most important reality of our life, God's intervention uh, and rescue, um, then it should impact the way uh, that we live. I mean, what Paul said, remember, he says in Colossians one, he says, "And you who are alienated and hostile in mind," so he pulls no punches about who they were uh, in Christ, and of course because he. Never pulls any punches about who he was before, uh, as a persecutor of the church before Christ knocked him off the horse on the road to Damascus. He says, You who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So you will be presented, if you are in Christ, if your faith is in him and you trust that his. uh, his death on the cross atoned for your sin and his rising to life is, um, has offered you everlasting life. And it, if you believe that, it's only by his grace uh, and his mercy placed that in you. But if you believe that, then it should impact the way that, that we live. And in fact, the fruit of that in our lives is one of the ways we, really, we know we really believe it. Um, uh, for instance, I mean, the love that I receive from my wife impacts the way that I live. And it impacts it in several ways. Right? Sometimes, I really want to please her because of how she has loved me. 
Uh, I want to honor her. I want to help out uh, with the kids or around the house or um, free her up to go do work in her job or, or whatever it is. I want to honor I want to treat her in a very special way because I love her. And one of the reasons I love her is because she has loved me. And another way is that um, when I don't do those things is that I apologize, right? And I, I go and I, and I repent, um, which means I come to the end of myself and I uh, recognize and I confess to her that, I, that I'm just really sorry for what I've done. And I can't promise I'll never do it again, but, I, but I'm going to try. Her, the reason I care about that is because she has loved me. And so the same thing with our lives. There are times w- with God that we get it right. I don't want to say you always get it wrong. I do. I mean, I don't mind saying that even when you get it right, there's a part of you, like, like today, I mean, there's part of you that wants to take credit for it. But, um, but, but we get it right sometimes. When we serve people, we say the right thing, we teach people about the Lord. Um, and, and, and yet... We get it's, we love because he first loved us. First John four nineteen, um, but but to um, uh, but when we get it wrong, or we get it right for the wrong reasons, and we recognize that, then we come before him in in, in repentance, in confession. Um, sometimes as a routine, as a, as a discipline, like in the general confession. Sometimes in tears on our knees, um, and so it's just all life. Yeah, is is repentance, um, but there are ways that are proper for Christian living, and um, and so uh, we can approach these imperative statements. Paul says, "Do this, wives, submit to your husbands." That's a that's an imperative statement. Husbands, love your wives, um, and we approach them as as two ways. First, we approach them as guides, right? As as a um, as as something that tells us, shows us what we are uh, to do. And the second, uh, we approach them as laws that we break, which show us uh, and drive us to repentance. Um, and, and, and in a sense, that's sort of the same thing, right? Uh, and it may, maybe it's in a different order. They drive us to repentance. We receive mercy, and it wants, we, we want to um, do that. So we want to love our wives because we have received mercy from Christ and from her, hopefully, uh, for not having uh, loved our wives. So, so anyway, so we see the gospel lived out. I just wanted to talk about that sort of in this section uh, in Christian families, vocations, and the world around us. Any questions about that before we get seriously, before we get a wise submit to your husband? No. Um, any any um any thoughts or clarification? Okay. So, <laughs> jump in. Sink yourself. Okay. Um, wives submit to your husbands. So we want to take this as a as a unit, this these four verses. Wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Uh, husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them children obey your parents in everything I don't think Paul had children uh, for this pleases the Lord uh, fathers don't provoke your children lest they become uh, discouraged um, so at, at least for me I mean I can, I'm, I'm my own frame of reference at least for me what we uh, normally think of when we hear the word submit I can remember talking sort of, I read this in, in scripture and I told my mom and my dad, like, I said, Mom, you're, not, you're really supposed to submit to, your, to Dad's leadership. And she literally laughed in my face and then giggled the rest of the day as she walked around behind my dad like, <laughs> like this. You know, and, and I was just like, that's not what it means. You know, but um, <laughs> can I have some money? Um, but the, um, uh, it was, uh, 
I, I feel, at least for me, that's, that's what we think of is the, you know, you should be the, the perfect housewife or we, you should, you should, I don't know, I don't know what it means in your context, but this is kind of what I, what I think of. Um, uh, the wife who is there uh, for the whim and pleasure uh, of, of her husband. And, um, and uh, or this, this is another, um, it's another way we think it's just a, it says, uh, Hun, more chips and salsa, pronto, submit, submit. And it says ding which I think is funny because he's, he's being a ding He's ringing the bell. Uh, it says Ephesians 5.22. So this is the parallel verse in Ephesians. Uh, taking Ephesians 5.22 out of context was bad enough, but using a bell to summon his wife was both stupid and dangerous. So, um, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's true. But I, I, the word submit just kind of drives us crazy. I don't know if you remember when the, the Baptist Convention a few years ago put something out and said... Um, your wives should graciously submit to their husband. <laughs> and I'm sure what they were really emphasizing was graciously, and what everybody else heard was submit, and they made national news, and it just the, the, all the talk show hosts were making fun. And, um, and I think that the, the key uh, is, um, is as is fitting in the Lord. And so, um, so we take this in the broader context of Scripture. Uh, we can't hear this. What's my? Yeah. So we take this in the broader context of Scripture. Uh, we hear in Genesis uh, chapter one that male and female were both created in the image of God. Um, they were created together in the image of God, and at least in some readings, then the one that I particularly ascribe to um, is is that men can't be fully in the image of God and women can't be fully in the image of God because God made them both, male and female, he created them in his image um, together. And Which is not to say you can't be content as a single person, um, but that there is a complementarity which in marriage which reflects um, the Trinitarian diversity. Um, and so uh, God cannot be fully God without Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, and we are not created fully in his image without male and female. So there's an equality. There's a mutual uh, dependence, a necessity there. Um, Galatians 3.28, there's a parallel passage uh, here, and we talked about it last week in Colossians. Here there's no great Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free, because Christ is all and in all. But in Galatians, he actually adds male and female. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, for all or are one in Christ Jesus. Um, and so there is... Um, it was extraordinarily countercultural for Paul to say the things that he said uh, about women. Uh, he had the highest view of women, and um, for but he had to speak in the language of, of his culture. And so, um, and th- what we also see, if we are also taking this in the broader context of Scripture, not just looking at the teaching on women, but li- looking at the teaching and the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And here I just got some. Um, a few pictures. There's Christ uh, washing, uh, washing the disciples' feet. There's Christ coming as, as the infant. I mean, think about the submission. Think about the uh, vulnerability that Christ to to come to earth as a as an infant. Uh, and here we have uh, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, submitting to the will of his Father. The New Testament teaches an ethic of subordination. 
And, and in fact, uh, when in the parallel passage in Ephesians, um, Paul begins that before he even says, wives, submit to your husbands, um, which he, of course, then goes on to say, husbands, love your wives. Um, before he does that, he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so there is an understood that, that, um, ethic within the New Testament that it's not just that wives are to submit to husbands, that husbands are to submit uh, to wives as well. And in fact, um, well, well, I'll get to husbands in, in just a minute, but it's a mutual su- uh, su- submission. If one uh, seeks to serve the other, but, the, but that, that's not a two-way street, then it becomes oppressive. Uh, and that is not... Oppression is not fit as is fitting uh, in the Lord, uh, but when they when both partners in marriage are seeking uh, to serve the other, uh, to put each other's needs above our own, as we heard in Philippians uh, chapter two, uh, then it is a beautiful and wonderful thing. I can remember my parents, and and this is really before this is before Christ really made an impact in our uh, our family, but my parents have always had a great marriage and. And I can remember, or I, I really don't remember, the story is often told, um, where my parents were having this discussion, and they said, um, Dad said, Honey, you've had a long day. You go put your feet up. I'll do the dishes. No, no, no. You've had a long day at the office. You go put your feet up. I'll do the dishes. And I came in, and I, was, I don't know how old I was, eight years old or something, and I said, Fight, fight, fight. That's all you do. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I heard that. I was some soap opera or something. But... um. But anyway, my parents still laugh about that. Uh, but that's the fight, right? Like, let me serve uh, you. And, and let me, good gosh, like, if, I don't want to get the impression that that's, that's how it always is in our household. Um, and, and some of you know more than I wish you did. But I, I just, um, I, um, I um, this drives me to repentance. You know, it drives me to repentance. I, but, but it is a, a mutual submission. And so it's, it's, we, we love because he first loved us. And so what we are committing to in marriage is that we, uh, we love our spouse and we want what is best uh, for them. Uh, so Paul uses the word submit, but he uses it in the context. Uh, he's already told the gospel where God Almighty submitted to us by giving himself up. And so he says this in the context of uh, Christian discipleship. Um, it the principle uh, is the same, even though it might have looked differently in his culture than it looks in our culture. Um, and so we have to take the principle to our, uh, unto ourselves. So wives should submit as is fitting in the Lord, which does not mean that, um, that the husband gets two votes and the wife gets one vote, or the, they each get one vote, and when there's a tie, he, you know, he, he wins. Um, the uh, The... What this means is that there is a um, there is a desire to lift the husband up before Christ and to support him as he uh, fills his godly role of leading the family. Um, there are sometimes there are some marriages where the woman seems more fit to lead in particular areas, and I think that that is something that the everybody just needs to agree. It needs to agree. It doesn't need to be. A, it needs to not be one of uh, a power or oppression or resentment, but where everyone just agrees. If you want to balance a checkbook, that's fine. I, I do the dishes and, and a lot of the laundry because 
gosh, laundry doesn't argue back. You know, so I, 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 like, I like folding long laundry. I can see what I've done, and it doesn't, unless the dog knocks it off the bed, I, I can see, you know, I can see. So it's a sense of satisfaction there, and I can watch football, and it's great. But um, so, I, so I like doing those things, but it's just all agreed upon. There shouldn't be woman's work and a man's work and, and that type of thing. I mean, they just should be agreed upon, but the wife should lift up her husband as he is called to fulfill his godly role. Now, what? so what is his godly role? What is she to submit to? She is, she is uh, to submit to the husband uh, who loves her and is not harsh with her. Um, now, she is to love him even when he uh, fails at this. Just as he is to love her even when she fails at her role as well. Um, because that is grace. That is, again, that's, that's here. That's, that's what Jesus did for us. They didn't deserve to have their feet washed. Or, um, he didn't, we didn't deserve for him to pray in the garden and uh, that not my will but, but thine be done. Um, and, yet, and, so that, so we as husbands also walk in this model of mutual submission where we want to, to provide our wives the best environment uh, to, that they are to serve the Lord. In particular, um, in particular uh, cases, I mean, you may have a wife who's uh, far more suited to, to serve and, and work in the workplace, and a man who's far more suited at home. I don't particularly have a problem with that, um, but they should agree together and should work for moving forward so that there's not uh, resentment, and um, and so that each are lifting the other one up to do their godly duty, what what God has called them to in particular situations. Now, um, am I? How am I doing? I, how, how are we doing? Am I, tell me, tell me, push back. Tell me, um, tell me what is hard for you to hear, or what you would, what, where you think I'm wrong. The submitting part. No, oh, that part. Yeah, the submitting part. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, that requires a lot of patience on your part and, and his. Um, and it, it, it equally is um, moving forward. First of all, thank you for, for sharing, because I think we all go through that in one direction or the other. Um, and I, I, th- I th- number one, you're, as you go through it, you're saying your prayers and praying for him and praying um, that God would resolve whatever this is. And, and you know, he has to grow in his, and I don't mean he, he, your husband specifically, but we as husbands have to grow in our ability to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Um, in my mind, the husband has the harder job. The way he fills it out in, in, um, in uh, Ephesians is he says, husbands, I mean, wives, submit to your husbands. But then he talks about, um, he, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So the husband's role is to die for his wife. And I've never met a, a woman who wouldn't submit to love like that. Um, but but when, when there's just brass tacks things that around, you know, for your household, and, and he thinks one thing and you think another, then it's you have to bear with one another in love until you can come to uh, an agreement. So it's, it is, um, 
I, I guess I'm happy to, to talk more about that a, um, afterwards or in another context, but I think that um, it, it shouldn't ever be, I, ideally, it shouldn't be, it should never be oppressive. Um, that, do you think mm-hmm. that, uh, that word is, that the context of the culture Right. We, we women are so much better educated. Often now, I just saw something the other day. Sixty-five percent of women have college educations. Forty-eight percent men. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, there's a shift. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe submit is a cultural term. Well, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. But I, I also think that um, that a high view of scripture wouldn't say that he, he is wrong now like it doesn't make it wrong now um as if it would but but perhaps i mean that's the word that's the correct translation perhaps we can find a different way of thinking but it is it is a it is an act of christian service not moral obligation like if we're saved by grace the reason you should serve christ but you don't but the the reason you do serve christ is because you love him and you love him because he's first loved you. So the way we look at it in our marriages is, is well, I don't want to put an ob- a moral obligation on a wife to submit. I want her to submit because she loves her husband. Uh, it's hard. I, I recognize that even that sounds oppressive because the word submit is, is um, so difficult for us to hear. Um, but I, I guess I want to put that in the context of what Jesus did for us. And, um, and it's a high and, and godly calling. Uh, and and not an easy one. I I don't want to, for a minute, say that it's an easy one. But a husband has to be, uh, must be, uh, a good steward of of his wife's ministry. Yeah. Um, when we were years ago, but we were doing the Susan Susan Yates mm-hmm. book, and I don't remember if it was in the book or when it was being led to us, but I love this explanation, talking about because women are so more educated mm-hmm. now and. I mean, a woman could even go have a baby by herself if she wanted to, mm-hmm. go into you know a bank, mm-hmm. and, and it, it keeps it preserves the role for the man because women are so independent now, and this guideline helps preserve the family. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I thought that was. I mean, I, I think I think absolutely, and I, I think for some people that's quite satisfying, and I think for other and people it probably it is not. The, yeah. The man is called the woman. It's part of that is to respect her opinion, correct? Absolutely. Which is what you're saying, too. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I personally don't have a problem, but I know it's amazing, so I know everybody's different. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would say that, that there are times, like just my own marriage, I mean, there there are times where we have differences of opinion, and, and sometimes we handle those really well, and sometimes we don't. And um, and uh, But the times where we handle them best where we each hear each other out and make a decision together based on, on those things. Um, not because I said so. Which doesn't work for your Right, so that, thank you. That takes us to uh, the next one. Um, yeah, yeah. Speaking of satisfying, you take out all kind of frustrations on the vacuum cleaner. Yeah, well, that's a great, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I hope you will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so children, obey your parents in everything, 
For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Again, I don't remember what my... Name. Oh, yeah. So this is um, Calvin and Hobbes. This is my last one. Calvin says, I'm having a lot of holiday stress. <laughs> Hobbes says, why? You don't shop for anyone. you got two weeks off from school. Your parents do all the cooking, cleaning, and decorating. How could you have, it, have the holiday stress? And he says, deep down, I doubt my greed for presents can overcome my desire to misbehave. And um, <laughs> um, I, um, again, I, I, it's just hard for me to even, well, I know. I mean, Paul never talks about his children. He didn't have children. Um, it, it is, I, we, have, we have a tough time in our house. You know, I, I can. I wish. Oh my gosh, I, I wish it was an obedient. And what I really want is Pharisees. I don't care if you mean it in your heart. <laughs> I don't. I don't care if you do it because you love me. Just do it. You know, like obey. Um, and I, um, I pray that my children will. The Lord will heal them from from my parenting. I um, I, I just um, what I want. Uh, r- truly is for my children to obey out of a heart of love because that's how I'm going to obey the Lord the best and and so my job is to love them I I, sh- I, I sure need to give them discipline I need to give them correction I need to give them instruction uh, it would be cruel not to and yet I still am called to love them when they aren't obedient my discipline when they're not obedient, uh, it should be instructive and loving. Doesn't necessarily mean friendly, but it, um, but it, it, and, the, and it's not always. And you know, I've, I've hung this over my kid's head. You are to obey your parents. It says it in the Bible. You know, and like, <laughs> and Caroline was like, "Oh, really? Sorry, I didn't realize it. What do you want me to do?" No, she, um, uh, it was, um, you know, it's just it's oppressive. And uh, and yet and, and that's why um, you know in each of these things um, the the naturally weaker party is lifted, listed first. Wives submit your husbands. Husbands uh, obey um, and love your wives. Children obey your parents. Fathers don't provoke your children. Slaves bond servants um, then masters. Um, in each of these things, so um, children have the harder. It's harder for children. Um, to obey, and um, part of that is because they are little sinners. You know, I mean, they just they just are, uh, and then they grow up, and then they're big sinners, right? So, uh, um, but uh, and it's our, where they see the father's love is from their parents. Live that out. That's where it becomes most real to them. And so when they when they disobey, they are sinning. Um, and our job is to give them grace. And that's going to look different in different situations. It doesn't mean you just tell them they can do whatever they do. You love them no matter what. Um, but it, it does mean that we, they need to know that we love them. And that even when we punish them, we're doing it out of love. So, um, so to provoke our children, fathers, mothers, um, is to, I think, um, aggravate them put upon them burdens that they can't bear. I often want my children to act like adults. Um, and I get mad when they don't. Um, and I, I've caught myself saying, act your age. Well, you're seven. You know, like, so... Um, 
act my age, right? Have the, um, it's the environment they swim in. So we put our parenting in the, in the context of the gospel. So I said we're not going to get much um, past there. Um, let me just say a quick word. Slavery, uh, that's why they changed the word to bond servants, cause I, I'm sure, because slavery then wasn't this, what we think of. It wasn't a race of people picked up against their will and moved out. I can't say it never happened from kidnapping, um, because we see that in, in the life of Joseph um, in Genesis. But typically in their day, it was... Um, how you paid your debts back. You couldn't pay your debt, and so you sold yourself into their service until you could pay that off. Slaves could save up money. Uh, they, um, they could live in their own house, and uh, they were technically property, which I think is difficult, but I, Paul isn't addressing... It'd be like us saying, don't, don't ride in cars. You know, like, I mean, that's... that's I mean, it was, there were more slaves in the Roman Empire than there were in... Um, in uh, than there were free people. Um, but if um, if you were to look at the book of Philemon, where you see um, him exhorting Philemon, the owner, to welcome Onesimus, the runaway slave, back as a brother in Christ and to let him fr- go free, you can see that Paul was not in favor of ownership. Um, but he was saying, given the situation, sir, don't serve, don't just serve your master so you can get what you want. Serve the Lord. Uh, in him, so, and it speaks to us in our in terms of our vocations for our employers and as employee employees and employers uh, ourselves. So, uh, read it, go back and read it, and think it uh, think of it in those terms. We're out of time, and I gotta go to church. So, God bless you. This has been fun to go through Colossians. Thank you.